Hello. Sorry, I kind of got mesmerized watching airplanes fly around on the screen. <laughs> I don't often often watch the intro, but I, I was watching it. I'm like, ah, just following the airplane. How are you guys? Are you having a really great Friday? I hope so. I hope that your your Friday has been absolutely glorious up to this point, whether it's morning or evening for you or somewhere in between. Happy Friday the 13th. There's no reason why it can't be happy. I have it on good record that Friday the 13th hosts goodness. <laughs> I was born on Friday the 13th. There's nothing wrong with Friday the 13th. Nothing at all. Yes, Friday the 13th is awesome, Vince. Vince and I were both born on Friday the 13th. <laughs> it turns out um, we have, we're have we a gang. Basically, you have to be born on the Friday the 13th to join our gang. <laughs> Just kidding. You don't. Um, but anyway, I'm really hoping that you get every drop of goodness out of this day, not because it's Friday the 13th, but because this is the day that God foreordained for you. Have you bothered to ask him what is in it for you? I think sometimes we get caught up in the mundane and, and doing the, the thing that needs to get done in any given day. And we forget to ask him, what do you have laid out? for me today? How do you want to utilize me today? How can I glorify your name today? All right, let's jump into today's topic. We are talking about the hospitality of God. Yes, Lisa. Yes, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice in it. I agree. Hey, if you're on with me, just bravely type in the comments. Hello, just a simple hi, and maybe where you're from, because I just like to know who's listening. Um, but yes, we're going to talk about the hospitality of God. The other night, I had a dream. Now, God has been talking to me a whole lot about provision. We talked about it a little bit on Wednesday, and um, you know, basically, he's he's wanting to flex in the the area of of provision. He's wanting to to prove himself in this area. Not that he has to. We should take him at his word, but he's wanting to show us signs of his name, Jehovah Jireh, right? So the other night I had a dream and it, typically if I remember my dreams, they are the same thing on repeat over and over and over again. And I cannot tell you how many times the dream repeats itself because it just feels like it's a hundred times. And, and I, I mean, like it's just being drilled into, into my brain so that I remember it, I think. And um, so in my dream, God was teaching me about hospitality and it was so fascinating to, to sit and watch the delight that would take over his face as he talked about hosting people. God loves to host people. It's one of his favorite things to do. He's a hospitable God. And in my dream, he showed me a stack of dishes that were mine. And they were fancy, fancy dishes. They had gold around the rim and pink flowers 
on them. If you know me at all, you know that that's not something I would have chosen. <laughs> I'm not exactly a pink kind of girl. I love the color pink. I think it's beautiful <laughs> flowers that are growing in the garden, but it's not typically something that I would be drawn to. But these, these, these plates were just so beautiful and so striking and and there was just something about them that it was over the top, you know, and kind of princessy. And um, and I knew when I woke up, I, I had like an I had instructions in my heart that I needed to go to one of our um, thrift stores in town and go and purchase the pink dishes that look like the dishes in my dream. <laughs> I was like, okay, like God, really, you want me to do this? Like, why? And um. And so I did in faith, right? This is this is how we we pull things into the scene realm. In faith, we lay hold of the things that he's showing us that that exist in the unseen realm and and we have there's got to be an act of faith to be able to to go after it. And as I was getting ready to walk into this thrift store, God said, "Buy one of everything they have." <laughs> this particular dish and and you know there's like this question in the back of my mind that's going like what if they don't actually have these dishes it's a thrift store for crying out loud they did they had these little dishes and i don't know if you can see can you see like the gold rim on them this is this is basically what they look like in in my dream i think that in my dream they probably had more like pink flowers in the center of them also but um anyway they had little saucer little plate and a bowl and i got one of each. They had a whole stack of plates, but I just got one of each. Why do I have these in my possession? I don't have any idea. This is just me agreeing with what it is that God has shown me, whether that's in a dream in in quiet time, whether you're driving somewhere and God's talking to you, whether it's in the chaos of a moment, a shower thought, whatever it is, how are you partnering with that? That's going to be the big question because we have got to become a people of great faith. And this is how we need to start doing that is by, by taking those little steps that may seem nonsensical, but being willing to do it anyway, just to find out what is this all about? I have no idea what these dishes are all about, but it was important to God. So it is important to me. That's how we need to like regard some things. It's important to God. So it's important to me. I adopt what he puts value on. We have to adopt what he puts value on. Okay. So here's, I want to jump around to some different spots. But first, I, I want to say this in context to being um, a good guest. If he is, if he is the God of hospitality, and he is, we have got to make sure that that we are good guests. We have become so particular about how we're hosted by people that we are actually missing out on God because he's not coming wrapped up in our love language. 
You know what I'm saying? Like we have taught ourselves to become very particular. This is who I am. This is how, this is how I receive love. And in so doing, we're not receiving God because we're, we're, we're not recognizing him because he's showing up however he wants to. If he doesn't want to show up um, with words of affirmation, am I disregarding him because he's not coming to, to bolster my ego? If he's not coming to spend quality time with me in the way that I think it should be done, am I rejecting him? We've gotten ourselves really caught up in, in things. Okay, so this is what we've done. As, as a society, we have, we have um, bought into different ideas, different revelations that God had downloaded into individuals, likely for their own benefit, and we've turned it into doctrine. We've taken these love languages that were handed off to, to a man, and it, it's great. It, it's wonderful to know like what, what touches you most. But guys, we've sidelined God because we don't know how to receive him in his fullness because of our particularness. I have watched people reject love because of of how particular and picky they've become about how they should be received and how they should be hosted. This is one of the reasons why offense is at an all-time high. It's because we've created so many obstacles for one another of what it looks like to extend love. God longs to host us, and he is really great at hospitality to sit down at God's table. You can be sure that the best of is what is offered, whether it's a snack, a full blown meal, a seven course meal, or just tea and a conversation. You can expect that it is going to be top notch. And things within you will be shifted and moved. Transformation will occur when sitting with God, no matter what. Our job is to make sure that we're open to feasting on whatever it is that he's serving up. Are you moldable? Can God shape you? And are you interruptible? Are you moldable? Is God allowed to shape you? And are you interruptible? We're in a season where we need to become interruptible, where we cannot, we can't put God on the back burner because our favorite thing is going on. Right now, he wants to host us and we need to become interruptible to put everything else aside and, and be present and come and take our seat at the table. Be very aware of where you're at in context of the table of the Lord. It's very important. 
The TV room isn't going to cut it. The computer room isn't going to cut it. Your reading chair isn't going to cut it. Your yard work isn't going to cut it. Be interruptible. Let him have your time. He's longing to shape and mold a people that can stand because the fires of the earth are getting hotter, right? Okay, so I want to, um, Psalm 12, 6, and this is in context to the communication that's taking place at the Lord's table. It says this, the words of the Lord are pure, silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times. The words of the Lord are pure, silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times. We are to consume the communication of God. And we need to understand that something is taking place as we do when we're hanging on his every word and we're feasting on what it is that he's saying, that his words are pure. They're silver refined in a furnace and purified seven times. You're consuming the purest of things, the purest of things. Let God host you within his conversation. Because when we feast on his words, things start to move inside of us. Everything that has taken up so much space in us has no choice but to move out of the way. They has to bow down to the communication of God himself. Next time you go, and you read your Bible, I want you to be very aware of what's taking place inside of you as, as you, you begin to satisfy the hunger that's inside of you and he is feeding you at his table. He wants you to begin to, to realize that everything else has no choice but to bow low. His communication is so pure it forces the agenda of bowing low because of his preeminence, simply because of who he is. His word carries his majesty. Everything has to bow low. And can you imagine what would happen when we begin to partner with that? that when we begin to consume the purity of his word, the purity of his communication, and we partner with that, how much more can we accomplish in those single moments with God? Because it takes, it takes ownership on my part to recognize what's going on, that I've just consumed him. I've just consumed the pureness of the speech of God. And he's making way. He's carving out a space. Clearing out the old 
the clutter, the mess, and those things that have hung around for so long that don't seem to want to move out of the way suddenly have no choice because I have become aware of what it's like to be hosted by God. Okay, let's talk about our history with God because we have always been hosted by God, always. In, in Genesis, you know full well that we have been spoken into existence. The Godhead huddled together. And they came up with this brilliant plan. Oh my gosh, let's make them like us. And he spoke us into existence, male and female. He created us. They all looked and they rejoiced. Look at them. Look at this brilliance of our spoken word. Hmm, that's interesting too. Can we go back to Psalm 12, 6 for a second? The words of the Lord are pure, silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times. There is a purity about who you are. The spoken form of who you are that was held long time within the bosom of the Father until you were ready to have a body formed around you. You and I have history with God that outdates our life, our, our time of living and breathing. Our, our history with God far outdates the flesh that surrounds his spoken word. We have history with him. So much history. We've been held a long time. Jeremiah chapter 1. Starting in verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you came forth from the womb, I sanctified you. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you, I knew you. Now there's an intimacy when the Lord uses the word, I knew, uses those words, I knew you. I, I was intimate with you long before. I formed you in your mother's womb. I was intimate with you. We knew each other. You knew what it was like to be held by me, to be known, to be loved, to be cherished, to be hosted within the Father. Long before. I don't know if that's mind-blowing to you, but it is to me. Long before. I was formed, I was known. Then I said, alas, Lord Jehovah, indeed, I do not know how to speak, for I am a youth. But Jehovah said to me, do not say I am a youth, for everywhere I send you, you shall go, and everything I command you, you shall speak. Again, I just want to point back to Psalm 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure, silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times when he's speaking to Jeremiah there's a purity being deposited within him 
Jeremiah, everywhere you go, I already am. He's gone before us. He's already made a way. He foreordained us. He didn't just know us in spoken form. He knows us through and through. He knows what his plans are. He's already gone ahead. Verse 8, do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am there to deliver you, declares the Lord. This is an interesting verse in context to the fullness of him saying, like, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And to end this part with, do not be afraid of their faces. Guys, it's an invitation to return to the space where we're face to face with the Lord. He's telling Jeremiah, no, stay face to face. Face to face with me. Behold me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. I'll deliver you from your enemies before you even know you need it. When we stay face to face with the Lord, we don't even know we have an enemy. When we're feasting and consuming all that he is speaking, we're fixed. We're locked in. And we don't even know that we need deliverance. But he's faithful to deliver us anyway. Don't fix your eyes on the enemy. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Behold the lamb. Let's jump over to Psalm 139. 139, sorry. We're going to start in verse 13. Just because I, I love to look back, don't you? Don't you love to dig up our history with Jesus? Psalm 139, starting in 13. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You wove me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and my soul knows it well. This reminds me of my kids when they were growing up. They were um, quite um, sure of themselves and people would compliment them and they would simply respond, I know. And this, this drove some people absolutely bonkers and, and they were deemed arrogant and prideful and they needed to be humbled, some said. And God was very quick to inform me that this was healthy and that he's looking for people who know who they are in him. And look at David go. He gives God all the credit, right? It was you who formed my inward parts. You wove me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Your work, look at me. Your works are wonderful. 
guys, we are the handiwork of God. We are. When, when we posture ourselves in, uh, uh, at his table, honestly, when we posture ourselves under the hospitality of God, we can be those who, who can declare such things as, look at me, I'm wonderful. I'm awesomely made. I'm the Lord's handiwork. And it's not arrogance. And it's not false humility. Woe is me. I am a wretch. The truth is, is you're wonderfully made. You're the handiwork of God. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, skillfully fashioned in the depths of the earth. You're skillfully fashioned. Say that over yourself. I am skillfully I think that if we would actually take God's words and repeat them over ourselves, we'd probably stand a little bit taller, you know, instead of always fighting with self, we just agree with God. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book, all of them were written. The days that were ordained for me when not one of them was yet. Come on. My days were ordained when not one of them was yet. And how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more than the sand. When I awake... I am still with you. This is praise. David is releasing praise. He knows he didn't make himself. He's just admiring the handiwork of God. (laughs) And you can feel it, can't you? Like his mind is like, how did you know all of this? How did you know all of this beforehand? And then he's like, your thoughts toward me, I can't even count them. All day long, God is thinking of you. All day long, you are on his mind. See, God is never without words to speak to you. You just haven't made time to listen. You're not interruptible. All day long, he's doting on you. All day long, he's forming you. We've just become so busy. We've actually taught ourselves that to gain God's attention, we must do, do, do. We already have his attention. He formed us. And before that, he held us. And he knew us. All of our days were already laid out. (laughs) 
You just have to be interruptible. So we've been held by God. We've been known by God. How are some other ways that he has hosted us? He's hosted us as a victorious warrior. If you haven't taken the time to go back and read some of the battles that went on, the, the book of Joshua is filled with them. Go back and read these stories because, oh my gosh, they're outstanding. I mean, the things, it'll help you know God better. See, we, we, we need to be hosted by God in all of these various ways so we can know him better. And this is what I was talking about at the beginning here is that when, when we have all of these preferences and we become so particular about how we, we can be loved, we miss out on so much. If we're like, oh, but I'm a peaceful little dewdrop. We're going to miss out on the victorious warrior who honestly is a little savage. He shows up to Joshua. And this is one of my favorite lines. Oh, I love it so much. He shows up to Joshua before they even cross over. And Joshua's like, whoa. He's very aware of who it is. And he says, are you for us or for them? Jesus simply responds, I have not come to take sides. I've come to take over. We need to know him as a victorious warrior. The one who's not come to take sides. The one who's come to take over. Does he have permission to take over? Whew, there's a question for you. Are you interruptible? And um, is God allowed to take over? Or are you so prideful that you're still trying to win your own battles? We need an encounter with the victorious warrior Christ. The one who shows up and is like, I'm not here to take your side. I'm here to take over. And we need to call on him. Drop. The I've got it all together act. I'm going to be fine. Everything's fine. It's not. It's not fine. You need to relent. You need to cry out, uncle. Let him win. Yes, Anne-Marie. If we're honest, we would all say that. That there's parts of our life that we still like, we still like, we're white knuckled, wanting full control. Can you be hosted by the victorious warrior? Do you know every battle that Joshua went into, God won? He did everything he was told to do and, and the battle plans kept changing because ultimately the overarching plan was that Jesus wanted to be the victor 
he wanted to be the one that went in and completed everything. We need to we need to be hosted by the victorious warrior so we can understand that he's the one that wants to win. He's the one that wants to obliterate your enemies. If you don't understand him as the victorious warrior, you're going to miss out on so much and think that it's your job to win. And it's not. It's your job to yield. And I get it. I'm not over here pretending like we don't have real things going on. We do. I do. But my job is to yield. My job is to see him dressed for battle. Let him be the victorious warrior on your battlefield. Partner. Set him up. That's all we're doing, you guys. When we partner, we're just setting him up. Because all glory belongs to him. All honor belongs to him. He's the only one found worthy. We just set him up. Our job is to put him on display in all his greatness. We put him on display. We set him up. He hosted us as a man. He hosted us historically. He hosted us as a victor. He hosted us as a man. Jesus came, and my goodness, what a host he was. He came as a man prepared to serve. And you can understand why Jesus was disregarded so passionately by the Jewish people because of how he'd always shown up. He did show up as a warrior who, honestly, seriously, he he really was savage. Like, he didn't leave people alive. The enemies of my God don't get to live. But he comes as a man who's not dressed in battle clothes. He's dressed as a servant. And he's looking for opportunity to serve. Yes, Anne-Marie, I like that. To wear him until the clothing is no longer something we put on, but it's melted onto us. Yes, 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 yes. He came to serve and this was so offensive so offensive. He was breaking rules just to serve. Can you imagine killing a man because his love was too much? Can you imagine being so offended by love 
because he showed up in a way that went against your preference. We need to recognize him in all of his various facets. We're going to miss it and we're going to be those who are offended and probably find the nails in our hands. They missed it because they had preference of what their Savior, their Messiah must look like. And all he did was want to serve them. Jesus just wanted to serve them. But he hosted us as humanity in everything that he did. Look how he starts off. His mother throws him into ministry, even though he's like, woman, it is not yet my time. And she says, the water's in there, Jesus. <laughs> you got to love a mama who doesn't generally take no for an answer. He starts off by, by hosting a wedding party, a wedding party that's falling apart. not this one. It's ending. It's spectacular. He saved the best for the last, which is where we're at, in case you didn't know. The good wine is being poured out right now. The best of the best. Don't be one who refuses his cup because you are particular about how you can receive him. Be a good guest. He hosted us as the savior. The man accused. Of our wrong. Beautifully hosted us as the Savior, as the crucified one, as the Lamb, bringing us all into himself there on the cross. He hosted us. All of humanity, not just the ones you're fond of, All. He suffered and he died on behalf of all. He hosted us all. Oh, and how offensive was that? How offensive was that? You know, the only, the only one who had any right to be offended by what was transpiring on the cross was the Father and Christ himself. And instead of choosing offense, they chose forgiveness. Jesus 
holding all of humanity within himself once more. Remember, we have history. We were spoken into existence, held for all time within the Father's chest. And once again, we find ourselves within the crown. brought back within. Remember where we're known, face to face in intimacy, known in this most gruesome act, Jesus's holiness in this most intimate space. I forgive you because I know you and what I know of you trumps. You're known. And he takes his last breath. And the soldier comes by to break his legs, but it appears he's already gone, so there's no need. They have no idea that they're actually partnering with the word of God, that no bone would be broken. Instead, they pierce his side, and blood and water run out of his side. Remember when God saw that Adam was alone? put him into a deep sleep and he pulled a rib from his side and he created. As a foreshadowing of new creation, Jesus is pierced in his side to release what he was holding inside and he births new creation. He hosted our birth. He's a great host. He's a hospitable God. We know in Psalm 23, at the end of Psalm 23, I mean, all through Psalm 23, we're being hosted by the shepherd, correct? And you have a full picture of what it's like to follow him. He's a great host. But we find ourselves sitting at his table at the end of Psalm 23, seated before our enemies. And all we're asked to do is eat. The same way that God told Jeremiah, don't walk eyes with their face. He's saying that to you at his table. Don't lock eyes with the enemy's face. Look at me, behold me, see me, consume me. Your victory is in your next bite. Stop fixating on your enemy when you can fixate on Jesus, right? This is where praise comes in. When you're seated at that table before your enemies and you're just asked to eat, we are we're consuming praise food. Can I say it like that? We're consuming praise food. We can't even praise him on our own. We're sitting at this table and we're consuming praise food before our enemy. Just like feast on praise food. 
He's filling you up with praise food. When he's having conversation with us and he's communicating with us, we're consuming praise food because we turn that around and we begin to release high praise and we have to do so. We have to be audacious enough to do so before our enemies. You can praise him anywhere at any time, but if you only choose to do so when everything is well, you're missing the entirety of the point. Our job is to pull heaven down. And we do so by lifting him high. And if we really want to see victory, his victory, his words, it is finished, put on display, we have to praise him in the midst of opposition. Consume the praise food. Everything that he's wanting to say to you, turn it into praise right there before your enemy. I dare you. The next time you have one of those heart racing kind of moments where something is coming at you, can you please be audacious enough to practice the pause? Be like, oh my gosh, here I am seated at the Lord's table before my enemy. Let me consume some praise food. And lift him high because he enthrones himself on the praises of his people. And when you take the time to do this, you're taking territory, kicking a squire out. Your enemy is coming at you because it doesn't want to be moved. It is, it is squatting on territory that belongs to you. you have to be willing to consume the praise food and lift him high in order to pull the kingdom down over your enemy. If you want to win, this is how you do it. This is how we partner with him. We consume his communication. And we lift him high to pull the kingdom down. Let's look at the let's look at the future. Let's go to Revelation 21. Oh, this is so fun. I hope you're having fun. I'm having fun. This is what we're made for. We're made to host his majesty. There's a, an old Misty Edwards song that the lyrics are, um, how far will you let me go? How abandoned will you let me be? I love those lyrics because they're, they kind of are taunting me right now. And, and I'm turning it into like a prayer. God, how far are you going to let me go? How abandoned can I be? just depends on how interruptible you are. Yes, yes, Lisa. Yeah, it, and it's 
it's so empowering, actually, when you practice the pause, you're like, excuse me, enemy, I need a praise break. (laughs) And the thing is, is it's like, you have dominion. We have dominion. And so when when you are under attack, and there's an onslaught coming at you, you can just be like, "Mm." I mean, ask Joshua. When Joshua needed a praise break, he just said, son, be still. We just don't understand our dominion. We don't understand what it means for us to rule and reign on the earth. We just, we we, we don't understand. I'm not sure that we completely believe it either, but we have to learn to, to, to praise his name, to lift him high. Okay, we're looking at Revelation 21, um, where he hosts our future. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice out of the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will tabernacle with them and they will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Nor will there be sorrow or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, They have come to pass. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to him who thirsts from the spring of water of life freely. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be God to him, and he will be a son to me. Everything, everything that we're familiar with will pass away. New everything because there's no end to his creativity. There's no end. He's the God who creates. Can you imagine being hosted by the God who's capable? I mean, really, like, really allow yourself to sit there for a minute. Who's capable of wiping every tear and dismissing all pain and and telling death you, you're not needed anymore i mean we we can't it, it's it's practically impossible for us to imagine life without any kind of pain whether it's emotional or physical pain this is part of the hospitality of God. 
He's already planned out your future. He knows the beginning from the end. Ours is to trust him. Do you trust him? Do you trust him to host you for all of your days? Every second of every day, does he get to host you? Does he get to interrupt you in the mid-sentence? We need to learn to trust him. We need to learn to take our seat and to feast at his table, to consume all the praise food. And I'm not even saying that we're we're not going to fumble. We are. We're going to pick up a glass and try and take a drink of wine. It's going to dribble down our cheek. We're going to scoop up a a puddle of soup and try and get it to our mouth and it's going to spill off. Are you allowed to fumble? If you're going to fumble, fumble at the Lord's table. Can we just be real? Let go of all of our pretenses and and all of the particularness about us, all of our preferences that hold God at a distance and each other. Look around you at this table. Look at the people to the right and to the left and across the table from you. Shoot, you might even have to peek under the table because there are people under the table. I was once caught under the table. Many years ago, I had an encounter with God. And I didn't even know, didn't even know where I was or where I belonged. And it wasn't until he peeked under the table that I knew where I was at. He bent over and lifted the side of the tablecloth. He's like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm just eating. Just just hanging out, <laughs> eating the scraps. How many of us are under the table eating the scraps? He pulled out the chair, invited me up to sit right beside him. And I knew, I just knew that's where I belonged. I belong at the table. I belong at the Lord's table. I'm worthy to receive the food and the drink at his table. Take your seat and look around. Stop fixating on the enemy before you and make much of the host. Father, 
I feel so surrounded by you right now. I feel so hosted by you. I can feel you lifting me up, us up. Your love surrounding us, wrapping us up tight. Communicating your love, your deep, deep love over us. Releasing promise and destiny over us. God, right now we're just committed to sit here, to take our seat. And to take our next bite. And be a people that are interruptible. Oh, how we long to just come away with you. To be where you are. And whether this table is on the battlefield, in the heavenlies, a quiet place, a common place with friends one-on-one. We will dine at your table. We'll consume what it is that you are serving up. And we'll be open to receiving you in the way that you want to present yourself before us. Holy Spirit, draw our eyes to the Lamb and the Lamb alone. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. We'll talk later.